Hello and welcome to the Red Sector MotoGP podcast. I'm your host Josh Wilson and with me this week is uh, my co-host Gunnar. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, we don't have Matt with us this week because Matt is busy. If you want to explain why, then go ahead. Uh, yeah, house viewings, I think, which take precedent over a, a kind of amateur hobby MotoGP podcast, unfortunately. So we'll let him slide for this one. I think due to the fact that um, both Bovier and Roberts crashed out is also a reason he said about not wanting to be involved this week. So. Yeah, I think I think he's saying it's house viewings, but I do actually think it's got something to do with um, Cameron and Joe's performance. But I mean, I'm you know I'm not going to judge. But yeah, I still I still can't believe the last episode where he, he who did he give stick to and then voted him rider of the day. I, he gave Onchu so much stick, <laughs> and then I justified it, and then he was like, you know what? I'm going to give Onchu the rider of the day. It it really grinded my gears because I was back in Onchu's corner. <laughs> And the second I did, Matt was turning around like, "No, you can't give Andrew credit." And then he gave him driver of the uh, rider of the day. So, and then he gave he gave Bovier rider of the day in, in yeah. Moto two as well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. um, but yeah, we have a, a few things to discuss this week. Um, we're not touching um Red Bull rookies or Moto E at this time round, but we're just going to dive in straight with um Moto three to start off with. So uh. Yeah, what did you think to the race, Bono? Um, To be honest, Moto3 was like... uh, I'd say half of it was a bit like a Moto2 race in the way that it kind of developed because you had Garcia and Salach kind of breaking away and then it almost became like a gap that they couldn't really break through, which is a bit Mm. Moto2-esque. But, yeah, I mean, Moto3 is always chaotic, but it was just crazy with... Acosta. I think I'll probably I could just clip that that I've just said that and just put that in every week that Moto Three yeah. race. But the kid just like even if he doesn't win, you can't not talk about what he's done. Like he's done no. something that you've gone, wow, that is that's unheard of. Yeah, you see, I was watching the race and when he made that pass into turn, is it two? Is it clusters turn two? Yeah, I mean, um, some people class it as three. I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't get the whole thing when they're like turn three. I, I, I'm i assuming you mean the left-hander, the first yeah. one. Yeah. See, yeah, to I me, that's turn big, two. T- yeah, big turn one and then two. But I think people class it as like two corners, the first one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I did, in fact, it is really turn one because that kind yeah. of sweeping bend, I wouldn't class it as a turn, but yeah. um, anyhow... You could see just, it was one of those where, I mean, we know that he's got some kind of sixth sense. He must have known as soon as he made that move, he was going down because every, even I could see it just went in too deep at that point. It was, um, yeah, it, 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 it is inevitable he was going to make a mistake. And at that point, I knew he had. And I think it almost as if he knew he had, because as soon as he kind of, almost like he, he stopped it from being worse than it could have been. Yeah, it's one of those as well, though. Like, and this might be a bit scary in a sense that that's him. That's like he's on the limit there. He's right that that's of the uh, the zone, and he's back on the bike and done what he's done. But in previous races, I've not seen him make any move. I can only think of like Portugal last. Oh, the, the last overtake that he did was which was quite a lunge, but it looked under control. I think of Qatar, what he made on Messia on the penultimate lap. But other than that, I've not really seen him like look 
uncomfortable in what he's no. doing. Um, so to say that that's pushing the limit for him in yeah. the wet, this is the first time he's ever raced in the wet. In well, you know, that them conditions, you know, half wet, half dry sort of thing. Um, yeah, like ignoring the fact of what he did when he got back on it, it's it's scary to me to think that that's him going. Okay, maybe that's enough. So he crashes, mm. he gets back on it, and then he finishes eighth. Yeah, he just brought home points in the end. I think he thought. I'm probably going to bin it again if I try and win this race. Well, I mean, if what's it was, scary is, is if, go on. I was just saying, if it was a dry race, he probably could have come back and got into the podium spots. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's six or one after us or the other because, like, he, if he'd have crashed in the dry, he could have mm. crashed quicker, so he could have had a worse crash. Yeah, so like, yeah. But, he probably wouldn't have crashed. <laughs> yeah, he probably wouldn't have crashed. He probably would have been you know, miles ahead because if there was no wet or anything the mm. whole weekend, it'd probably been up there. But it is what it is. I mean, but imagine, I read a tweet, I don't know who, who made the tweet, but I saw a tweet over the weekend at some point on Sunday, actually. And somebody was like, imagine being one of the riders that you've been passed by Acosta, he's crashed, you've seen him go down, you've gone, thank God for that, and he's caught you up <laughs> and passed you again for the second time he's and crazy. beat you. Wasn't it... Um... Was it in practice or qualifying? He had a little bit of an off. I don't know if it was a high side or a, or as he was going into the corner, the bike kind of went under him, but he saved it. Yeah. Um, and it it looks pretty good. It looked like someone who'd been been doing that for a long time. That's what I mean. Like the the guy looks like he's been riding it for years. Yeah. Like he's he's got a sixth sense. He really has. You put yourself in his shoes. You crash out. Yeah. It's it's the the conditions are like they are. You, a lot of people would genuinely. I mean. Don't get me wrong, the majority of them are getting straight back on it and thinking, you know, let's go, let's go. But 95 at least percent of people are getting back on it and going, right, let's just, you know, let's just take a bit of a breather here. Let's not push mm. too much. Yeah. No, no, absolutely none of that for Acosta. He's back on it and gone pushing even more, but like knowing yeah. he's limiting every other corner. And it's like, mm. you would expect that from someone like a Messiah in that he's been in the class a few years and, you know, he's a top rider of the class. You'd be like, that's what we... not like. You don't even expect that from Messiah because it's unbelievable to crash and get back on and do so well. But the kid is like five races in. He finishes eighth, and I, you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he extended his championship with finishing eighth. I think he did. He's, he's on 103 points and Garcia is on 49 points. Yeah, so he's I mean, got more everyone, than a, a yeah. double. Everyone that finished in front of him is like more than a race win behind him before the race, if that makes sense. Mm. And Garcia, who's done like all right, and obviously won the weekend. Um, yeah, he's he's like back in the, the picture for second, let's say. But everyone yeah. like you, Messias, Binder, all them finished behind him. Like Mino, he's been one that's been up there. Mino finished eleventh, mm. so. Even if, let's say, Messia and Binder would have been one and two and Acosta finished eighth, someone like Mino who thinks, I need to be picking up at every possible point that Acosta fails, like he crashes, I need to be capitalising on it. Yep. He's still finished behind him. Exactly. I mean, Mino started on pole as well. And he, what did he finish in the end? He finished 11th, did you say? Yeah. Um, yeah, and again, you look at Masia, he binned it on the first lap. Um, you know, Suzuki binned it, Antonelli on the first lap as well. 
you've got a few names in there which yeah are well could be in the hunt but with performances like that are not going to be in the hunt yeah i mean antonelli's had a i mean i think antonelli's had probably one of his best years so far mm. like in terms of don't i mean he's been in the class for a while but the the last time i saw antonelli like this competitive was on the do you remember a river called Sniper Team? They used to be on like, with the low, the yellow run with like what Fanati raced for. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like the Sniper Team now, like they, they, yeah. When he was racing for them, I think he won at Qatar, like twenty, probably what twenty sixteen ish, seventeen ish, something like that. But since then, Antonelli's dropped off. He went to KTM, mm. been nowhere, and this year he's looked pretty good. But like you say, Antonelli's crashed. Uh, Messias crashed. These names that you expect to be up there. Acosta's crashed. Back on it, finished eighth. Like anybody yeah. in any class, if you crash in F1, Moto GP, Moto Two, Moto Three, whatever class it is in racing, and there's more than what is there in Moto Three? There's got to be like nearly thirty riders or something. Yeah, there is about that. I think. Yeah, to get to crash and then come back up to eighth in any sport. That's right. Any motorsport, you take an eighth place from that. Exactly, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? He, that is a, an amazing result. He's in the points places. He's yeah. he's, lent, he's he's you know he's increased his lead. It's I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, but, it's it's a bit like what I think. I can't remember who the three of us that were saying it, but I think we all agreed that anyway. That like the fact that he won so races put him on this pedestal. If you, even if he gets like tenth, it's going to be like oh, it's all right, but it's not great. If he'd not won the races that he's won, it'd be that would be the main story of this whole podcast that a sixteen-year-old mm. kid has crashed and got back on it and finished eighth. Yeah, but the fact that sounds, he's won yeah. is like, oh, it's it's all right. Like it, it's weird it's, that it's almost a disappointment that he's finished yeah. eighth. Again, that's the standard he set himself. But I, that crazy. for me is nearly. It's not as good because obviously crashing and winning would be unreal. It'd be unheard of, but. Crashing and getting in the top ten is as good as getting a podium. Full yeah. stop. Mm, definitely. So, um, um, talking of the podium, of course, we had Rossi in third, Salach in second, and Garcia in first. I think Salach was it was it was um, on course to be his first win. Believe it or not, um, no, that's what I mean. So, yeah, a bit a bit, a bit sweet for Salach getting taken by Garcia, but. I mean, Garcia's kind of saw his opportunity to, to close that gap. Well, tried to close the gap, but, you know, get get a few points in the bag. And, of course, he did the best he could. Um, but who would you say your rider of the day was in Moto3? Um, I would give it Costa, but I will actually give it Ricardo Rossi. I think all weekend he's looked brilliant. And even in qualifying, it was a little bit like, well, you know, like, is he meant to be up? Like, nobody had really known... Ricardo Rossi to be, you know, mm. up there, and I, I'll be honest. It, it just in general, I mean, you put yourself in his shoes. You're not up there every week. He's nowhere near it every week. Like th that's not being disrespect. The bike he's on, the package he's got, he's not going to be fighting for podiums every week. For him to come to that, like to Le Mans with conditions like that, mm. and you, the first time you've been near a podium, the nerves and everything else that's going on in them conditions. Um, I think Rossi rode brilliantly as well yeah. I, you could give it to a lot of people but that'd yeah. be my pick I think I think Rossi for me yeah I, I, 
I probably honourable mention Salach just because he, you know, he got his first podium and he was so close to that victory. He did a he, he rode a, a good race, but I'll probably give it to John McPhee because he finished the race not yeah. far off the podium, you know, a couple of seconds off the podium. Um, this is where he should have finished in the last three races, really, around this area. Um, but I will give it to John McPhee because he's actually, like I said, he's actually got in the points. He's finished the race and got in the points position. So I'm hoping this is like the start of better days for him. So he's my rider of the day. Yeah, I think um, John, I think I think if he'd not had the start of the year that he'd had, he'd have probably gone for third. and Because re- I mm. think he could have got it, but I think he would have been looking at it like, if there's any chance of me being taken out again, or even, you know, pushing it. my luck, then let's just take four. And to yeah. be honest... In a roundabout way, I'm kind of glad he did just take fourth because yeah. knowing his luck this year, you know, the wind would have probably taken him out if he'd have pushed it a bit further. So. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, happy for John. Very happy for John. He's now in 20th place in the standings, so soon he'll be right on uh, he'll be right on Acosta's neck. Yeah, he'll be leading next race. <laughs> so moving on to Moto2, um, sore subject, I'd say, for all of us. Um, the reason Matt's not here. Um, the reason that me and Bono were thinking we weren't going to do this podcast, um, you know, losing Sam Lowe's out of the race, um, and Jake Dixon as well. Yeah, I mean, what a roundabout world in terms of last year. You had Roberts on pole, went to pit lane, but like you know, it was Roberts' kind of like time to shun. Then you had Lewis and Dixon fighting for the race win last year. And then Callum comes this year and he's like, oh, it's, it's going to be a four-man party. It's going to be <laughs> me, Joe, Sam and Jake, and all four of them <laughs> have just completely binned it, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Jake Dixon did finish, but he finished 18th, so he yeah. was in he was out of, in the woods. Yeah, Metaphorically binning it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Pretty, yeah. might as well have, to be honest. Um, um, I just feel for Jake, because like, I say it every week, but he, it's just one of them that he can't, catch the right break just to get his feet on the ground a bit like john in a way in moto three mm. in the uh, different circumstances but they've both they've both just been so like taken away from just being able to get on the bike in uh, the right conditions to just get the feet on the ground get some points in the bag and then you know find the feet a bit more but yeah sam when sam went down it was just one of them oh, like it, head in hand moment that you're just it, like he was he was pushing and i feel like well, obviously, looking back in retrospect, and um, he just shouldn't have gone for that, in my opinion. He really pushed his luck with that one, and uh, obviously, it showed in the end. But yeah, I think he was his luck a little bit too sure. But it, it's one of them that Sam said before the weekend or going into the race. It was like, you know, I've played my joker card at Portugal. You know, I've crashed. Now that it's down to the others to have a bad, bad weekend and. You know, you only make your own luck in that sense, and Sam's not doing himself any favours now because beforehand it was like, okay, Sam's crashed, but now it's going to be a case of he'll he'll lighten up a bit and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll mm. kind of brush the cobwebs off, sort of thing, and there'll be nothing, non, nothing else like that. Whereas now you've got Remy and Raul still performing, and Sam yeah. not. So now consistency, it's, yeah, yeah, it's now you know the the balls in Sam's court, as I would say. Right now you've got to set. That you've Sam's got to be for me, Sam's got to win at Magello to to make a statement. Yeah, he needs I to. Think. He's now sitting in fourth, 
and yeah. he's um he's over 20 points behind Remy Gardner. Yeah. And and Fernandez as well actually. It's a little bit like what I was alluding to when we were talking about riders um in the market and stuff from Moto 2 to GP and that I think it was me and you that were saying you have to make such a statement when you go back to Moto 2 to say I'm too good to be in Moto 2 get me yeah. GP. Yeah. Um and you look at former champions in people like Paul Spargaro, Tito Rabat, Sarko, those kind of, I just remember those championships where they put their foot down as I would say, you cannot, mm. I mean, I'm, I know they've not come from GP back down, but in terms of dominance, like where you thought they have to be a solid P rider that to do it. He, for me, he's got to be leading that championship in the middle part of this season. Yeah, he's, yeah, he has to put his name, you know, out there. But it's got to be consistent. You know, consistency is key to to winning championships and to get to get noticed. I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, so he he crashed on the third lap. Um, Joe Roberts. Now he was he was battling at the front. Was he in second, the third when he crashed out? Um, and yeah. He, he, again, he seemed to push his luck. He 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 broke too deep. By the looks of it, he tried to outbreak. Um, oh, who did he try and outbreak? I think it was Fernandez or Gardner, maybe one of the two. Bit, yeah, I think it was one of the Red Bulls. I can't remember. Um, he tried to outbreak him, and, and yeah, he just went down. And it, again, it was one of them you could you could have seen coming from a mile off. Yeah, as um, soon as you as soon as you see him like make that move, you were like, this can go either one or two yeah. ways. And again, it's another another DNF for Joe. He just. He needs that consistency, yeah. and it's almost like he's he's pushing too much. He's trying too hard. It seems to try and get, make a yeah, statement. Yeah, I think I agree but... with that. Yeah, I think I do agree with that. I think you've probably hit the nail on the head there. That um, for me, going into this year, and I mean, I know he's changing teams, but it's not exactly like he's changing mm. bike in terms of you know from one chassis to a complete other one. He's he's still on a Calex like it was last year. Um, it. For me, Joe Roberts coming into this year was like, he'll be a regular top five. And if he's not, then it's kind of like a, a bad week for him. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, not, it's been horrific for Joe mm. Roberts. I, th- I don't think there's any way of sugarcoating it, making out like, you know, something's not fell right for him, this, that, and the other. The only result is Portimao, where I've thought that looked a bit like the old Joe Roberts of last year. Yeah. Other than that, look desperate. Like it looks like he's he's trying too hard, or the bike's not really like molding to him, or he doesn't look like Joe Roberts. Do you know what I mean? No, I think I didn't really understand it because he was what he was. He was. I think it was second place. He he crashed out of, or he was fighting for second. Um, but the track was drying, and it was only lap four he crashed out on. So he had a, he had a lot of opportunity to to make an overtake and. That he needs to be in them kind of podium positions. I'm surprised he didn't just stick with um, third place. I think he was in and think, right, I'll just stay here. I'll just bide my time. I'll get into a rhythm and I'll I'll wait for first or second to make a mistake and then I'll wait for it to come to me. Especially that early on when there's still a bit of water on the track, you know, yeah. when it's damp. And at that point, the forecast we knew, or I don't know if they knew, but we knew it that the rest of the race, it was going to be dry for the most part. So you, that it was going to come to you, the grip level. 
Um, yeah, it's a bit like the Sam Lewis thing in that it, yeah. it's just pushing too soon. And don't get me wrong, Joe Roberts, like, even though he's not a rookie, you, you'd expect him to, to know not to do that, which makes our point with Sam even mm, more. Exactly. You know, like, Sam Lowe's has got to be the most experienced there in terms of experience or fighting at the top of modes and knowing when to push, when not to push. Like, mm. Sam Lowe's, like, for anyone that's listening that might be new to it in the last couple of years or whatever, Sam Lowe's in between 2015, 2017, them kind of years, like, before he went to GP, sorry, so, like, 2015, 16 kind of time, it was always a case of, with Sam, you had your heart in your mouth to think... He looks so quick, but he might push his luck and just spin it. Like, you know, he might, he might just, just throw it down the road at the wrong time when he's leading, when he's fighting for positions that you really didn't expect the bike to be in, when he was on that speed-up chassis that was a mile off of some of the other bikes. He used to drag it up to great positions and crash out at the worst time. So it's not like he doesn't know what, what like when to push and when not to push. You know, he's got so much more experience than all these other guys. And mm. that's why it's more frustrating when he makes mistakes like he did. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Another one was Bovier. I know he crashed out with five laps to go, but I can't I can't seem to remember anything about the incident. I can't no, remember if it was neither. a silly mistake, but again, I don't know if he was pushing his luck. He was up there though in the po- in the points places. I think he was I doing can't... I can't remember what he did fairly well but yeah another it was disappointing again from Bovia. um i mean that's another late crash that he's had thinking about yeah, it again like Harethi crashed out last lap and then yeah. this one crashed out five laps to i mean again it's not like it's two bone dry races or anything like that but um i kind of have a bit more leniency with Bovia because obviously new bike new tires new everything to him um so you kind of have a bit of, you know, you can give a bit of slack to Cameron, but it's it's still frustrating because yeah, he, is, he he does show great pace. Even from the mm. first race in Qatar, he showed such great pace that you thought, like, he's definitely one to look out for. So yeah. um, I think it's just a case of time coming to Cameron sort of thing in, over this year and getting a bit of experience mm. and whatnot. But, yeah, frustrating for sure. I think... Um... I'm gu- I'm gutted Matt's not here because I think he would have given both a rider of the day, considering it's pretty much similar uh, yeah. scenario to last last week, but the last race was quite funny. But um, moving on up the order, um, I think we'll have to talk about the kind of in form. Now we've talked about the out of form, um, the likes of Fernandez, Gardner, and Bezecchi seems to be coming into his own now because uh, yeah. you know the first couple of races really didn't go his way. But I say the first couple of races, it, he did well, obviously, in the first couple of races. He got two fourth-place finishes. But I think people were expecting him to be the one leading the charge. Yeah, I think um, Bezek in the first couple of races, just he, he had nine tenths, didn't he? He, he was mm. one of them. He was just like, where's, where's that final tenth for you to like manage your tyres and be there in them last few laps? And he just dropped off in both Qatar races. Um, not as much in the second one, but... Uh, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. You, you, you're starting to see this side of Bezeki now, where you think, okay, he's kind of come into his own, which is good because it's not too late. You know, he, he's mm. picked up good points at Qatar. He's not done anything daft in throwing it down the road at those races where 
he knew he was quicker than the group behind, but he didn't push to stay with the group in front. He kind of brought it home. Yeah. So that's good for Bezeki. Um And again, Ralph Fernandez. I know I go on about him and whatnot, but it's for me. I, I, if I were anybody in Moto Two that's looking for a GP seat, he's my, he, he would be the guy to beat for me. Yeah. Not he's... even the, not necessarily the guy that wins every week, but like if you're doing if you're beating Fernandez, then you're doing all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's Ralph Fernandez. The fact he's He's had a fifth, a third, a first, a fifth, and a first. He's he has got that consistency. The two wins under his belt is massive, and I think going forward, he's only he's only going to get better and better. Um, same with Bezecchi again, or Bezecchi. I I think a win's coming from him. Um, as we're seeing him getting better, but also actually looking Gardner as well has had a second, second, third, fourth, second. That is that is championship winning form right there. Yeah, that is like. That's well, I'd say it's similar to Joan Mir last year, but it's better because he's getting better results. But he's, yeah, he's, he's, I guess he's flying under the radar in terms of he hasn't had a race win yet, but mm. one is definitely coming for Gardner. And I feel like, uh, as it stands, in if Sam Lowe's doesn't improve, if Sam Lowe's doesn't kind of sort his form out and you know, isn't in the mix again by, by midway through the season, I think we're going to see a. A, a three-way shootout between Gardner, Fernandez, and Bezeki. Yeah, I think Sam will always be up there. I think he just mm. needs to, in terms of just, know, it's easier said than done, but not crashing out when you could just bring the... I, I'd rather Sam bring it home in sixth than yeah. throw it down the road going for top three. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's it's one of them for me. And I don't want to, like, simmer down the whole Acosta bandwagon because I'm on that bandwagon I have been for a while but Acosta last year is racing a similar bike if you like for you know it's not per, like exactly the same bike but similar bike to what he's doing this year Fernandez is riding a completely different bike going to Moto2 and he's not been outside the top five in every single mm. race and as we know with Fernandez and as we're seeing he only gets better and better every time he rides the bike. As I mean, Le Mans literally proving that point. But that—that's what I'm saying with Fernandez. It's—it's it's scary because if you're beating him, a guy who finishes top five every race, won two races already in that early. Because they always say that the jump between three to Moto Two is the hardest jump to make yeah. because of because of how different it is. Not necessarily because mm. of the the size or the or whatever. It's the, the, the difference in bars is ridiculous. Pardon me. So it's um, it's scary with Fernandez. Uh, and like I say, if I'm Bezeki, if I, I mean Bezeki, probably get a ride with VR46 anyway. But in let's just hypothetically think of it as in like maybe someone like Digi, who you know has this contract with GP that if he gets X amount of results in a certain way that he's got a GP ride. For me, if I'm Digi, I think if I can finish in front of Fernandez every week or with there or thereabouts, you're gonna be you're gonna be up there, aren't you? So yeah, yeah, I think you you may be right with your contenders kind of prediction with Bezeki, Gardner, Fernandez. Um, but I mean, I'm not being biased, but for me, if they're all staying on the bike and you know there's no crashes involved, Sam's 
Sam's up there and quicker than all three of them. But, you know, in order to finish first, first you have to finish. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's all right me um, saying that. It's Sam that needs to go out and do it. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, uh, he needs to get those, those, those finishes in and rack up the points because, yeah. you know, he's DNF two races. I don't know how many statistically you need to finish or what's the kind of point of no return in terms of DNFs historically that you can't come back from. But I mean, uh, two, two is too many already, really. I would say um, if, you, if you've got more than three DNFs in a season, you've done well to be, t- to be champion. In yeah. a class like in a class like Moto Two with the, the talent, yeah, the talent in Moto Two is unreal. Like, I mean, it is in all classes now. Like, I think the talent gets better every year. But mm. you've just mentioned three people there that if you don't win, uh, sorry, if you crash, then they're like Fernandez P one, Garner P two, Pizzi P three. Yeah, you're not just saying those three names because they finished top three. They are the main three contenders for Sam Lowe's, mm. and they've all finished on the podium. Yeah, so. Those three will be coming away from this weekend, you know, happy as anything, thinking, yeah. well, that's one less contender to deal with for yep. the time being. So, yeah, you're definitely right with those three. Um, and like you say, two DNFs. For me, Sam in the, let's say, next five races, I think he's got to, he's got to be in the top five for all five of them, like yeah, what Fernandez to. is doing now. And I want to add as well, he's got to hope that in one of those five races, one like Gardner, Fernandez, and Bezeki all, or yeah. one of at least one of them has a, a you know doesn't score a point or DNFs. Yeah, I mean just to get him back in it. Yeah, but, you 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 do kind of. I mean, you don't want to wish riders to like get hurt or anything, but I don't I know. Know, you, want, you want them to like DNF. Um, but the worst thing you can do, or the worst situation you can be in for Sam Lowe's is if you're leaving the championship in other people's hands. Yeah. That that for anyone that's bad, but in, if we're talking with Sam, you you don't want that because you you know someone like Fernandez gets out front, you've had it. Gardner gets out front, you've had it. Do you know what I mean? They they're consistent mm. fast riders. They're not like, you know, I mean Gardner's is very much oh, they they all are kind of elbows out riders, but when it comes down to just pure pace and speed and everything they aren't there by fluke so yeah sam can't allow them to be in control of his championship he needs to grab hold of it himself exactly um but yeah rider of the day i'm gonna go with tony arbolino which i'm <sighs> guessing would have been yours yes i was gonna go for yeah. that one as well i'm gonna to be fair, to... i think i think we could, we could probably yeah you know we what? Could probably join up for that one because i think that's just one of the i don't know how we've not mentioned him yet but what a ride. I was so happy when I saw like Tony go over the line of in four. Exactly. I was so happy. Well, that's exactly what he needed. You know, he, he's DNF yeah. the last two. He came he, the only race he's finished so far, he came eleventh. So to get this fourth place in, in the tricky conditions is He's looked quick though. Like I know I'm that probably sounds daft me saying that, but it's a bit like on in that the results might not always show it, but he, he's looked quick, like mm. over weekend. Like he, he genuinely does look good. Um, and early on for Moto Two to get a result like that, you could see him in pit lane because he's he's really good mates with like Quattararo and um, Quattararo's mate Tom, who walks around. You probably see him all the time. Yeah, dark. Yeah, he um, he came into pit lane like running over to him and celebrating and whatnot. And I was just like, it's one of them for somebody like Tony Arbolino who. 
has joined a decent team in Moto Two, you just you want him to get a good result to kind of yeah. just level things out, so he knows that he's he's not a mile off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's a result that he needed, and everyone else wanted him to get as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to get it again in them conditions, it'll only boost his confidence because, yeah. like Magello, and of course next the next race. race at Mugello, he's he. he it's not an easy race by any, any means, but coming off the back of a race like that at Le Mans, it is definitely going to boost his confidence of what he thinks he could achieve in that race. Yeah, I mean, if there's one race you want to do well before, it's your home race. So you've yeah, got exactly. confidence going into your home race. So, I mean, mm. I mean I, I'm so good that there's not fans. If there was fans at Mugello, I, w- I would be there. But like the fact that there <laughs> isn't fans at Mugello is so sad because it's one of those, isn't it, where like you tune in to Mugello and you just instantly expect there to be noise as soon as you're, like, mm. watching it. Um, but, yeah, on the ride of the day thing, Tony was, um, yeah, great, great ride. Absolutely great ride. And, and that, like you say, in them conditions, deserves it fully. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving on to MotoGP. Uh, wow, what a great race. I mean, what a race to have on ITV, on Terrestrial. I think it... The excitement was there. Everything was there, and you know, of all, and it was just a a blessing that that's the one. I mean, it's almost like the the predicted, the foresaw how good that race was going to be, and that and that it was going to be a wet race and a flag to flag. Yeah, I, I'm so happy that that one was on terrestrial. Yeah, I mean, it's good that they're doing something like that. And mm. what makes me happier about it is the fact that it was such a like amazing race, and. We both know, and everyone else might be listening to this, unless someone thinks it's their best race ever. That is nowhere near like the best race you've ever no, seen. But no. it was a, it was a great race from start to finish. So yeah. it makes me happy knowing that people have watched that for free and gone, "Oh my god, this this is like, this is actual racing." And you're like, "Well, you and you have not seen half of you it. You haven't seen Do nothing yet." Um, but a lot of those might be F1 fans who, yeah. To them, that would be, you know, a really, really good race. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of F1 fans and seen people on Twitter, to be fair, and they've kind of, they've had to like swallow their pride of four wheel racing a bit. And, yeah. And, and to be fair to them, I'll give credit where credit's due, have said, you know what? You can slag MotoGP off for not being this and that that F1 is, or, you know, whatever F1 fans see it as. But the racing's 10 times better. And they're hardcore mm. F1 fans, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and you, you can't you can't grumble at racing like we had in the, no, the it, main race. The racing pound for pound is is far far better than yeah. F one, and it's so much more competitive. The only thing that F one has an advantage of is, of course, pit stops and and safety cars and that kind of strategy that comes into it. Yeah. But other than that, I, I think MotoGP is in a in a league of its own. But it's I think really- we're kind of getting off subject there. But it's true. Yeah, if you want excitement and you want racing and you want unpredictability. You go EP. Mm. Quattararo's pulling in his yeah. bike at the wrong garage yeah. and it's like everyone like Vignal I mean Vignales started off you thought wow like good start for Vignales and he's at the front like 
this this could be it if it stays dry and it started raining <laughs> and yep. he's now 10 seconds behind within like it, it just everything every single corner there was something to look at yeah so i good i genuinely for thought vinyalas had had slicks on uh, yeah. obviously he did have slicks on but i mean as you know as the as the rain came in yeah. i felt like everyone else was on wets and he was on slicks yeah because how you know how quickly he dropped down the order um yeah it was it, it, it was a, it was a crazy race um to talk about i've got i've got to get off my chest straight away rins let's talk about rins i think every week we should put segments in we should put an uh Oh my God, Acosta was so good. And then we should put uh, Cameron Bobier and Joe Roberts have crashed for Moto2. Yeah. And then for GP, we should just say Rins and then Rins. That. Because, my God, three DNFs on the bounce. I, I mean, two two falls. What was it? He came out of the pits uh, after after the was it after the change and he came out. And on, on was, yeah. should we go with 10, 10 2 slash 3? He yeah. bins it. I mean, he crashed there last year as well. Do you remember? He crashed there last yeah. year when he was chasing after the Ducatis. I, I, I don't... It seemed to me as if he'd come out the pits and he just hell for leathered it. You know, just totally disregarding the fact that it's wet, that he's got brand new fresh tyres on that haven't warmed up, and he just hell for leathered it and he came off and it was like he was surprised at the fact he, he fell off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm... not to be too, like... Broad into I mean, people might be thinking I'm overreacting, but this sport can be massively critical when it comes to you know keeping riders on. I'll tell you something now: Rins will be very, very happy that before this year he re-signed with Suzuki because yeah. Don't get me wrong; I love Rins. I think he's, he's I love watching him as well. He's got such a great style. He's, he's like old school, isn't he? He rides with like his mm. shoulders all the way out. He's usually smart, and he's a quick guy like there's no dispute in that but if you're suzuki you are pulling your hair out the the guy has pace and throws it away week in week out and if he yeah. doesn't he's a mile off because the only reason he's throwing it away is because he's up there and then he pushes his luck mm. and he, he he just seems to just be riding beyond his his limit all the time if you think or, the the points he could have brought in if he'd have just brought port him out, could have yeah. had second place, brought him twenty points, easy as you like. Hareth in that top, what was he? Top five, top six group. Yeah, it was probably the worst, worst crash I've ever seen. Just about yeah. slow it was. Like walks off it basically. Le Mans, just like you could call Vignales, but I mean, yeah, it's a handful of points, but. He's not throwing it down the road every week like Rins is. I mean, yeah, he, it, it seems to be a snowball effect because every time he crashes, the next race is more determined and pushes himself more to make up the points that he's missed out on, which obviously seems to increase the risk of him crashing again. But to be fair, for Suzuki, it was just it's a it was a day to forget because Mir obviously crashing before he could make it back to the pits to swap his bike and and that was that. Um, what was it? He, he walked. Did he? Did he even get a lift back? Or I seem to remember seeing him like walk like a fair bit or something yeah, like that. But but it, it is not his season so far. Yeah, Mir's really not. I mean, I know Rins is having a bit of a mm. like shocking season, but I think Mir will be. A, I mean, they all will be if they're not winning. But in terms mm. of winning the world title last year, kind of having a bit of like you felt like 
towards the tail end of last year, a bit like Morbidelli, that they'd have so much momentum coming into this year, yeah. it would be everybody else catching up, not yeah. the other way around. Um, but it looks like Morbidelli and Mir have kind of started this year off from, like, behind everyone, doesn't it? It looks like they've, they're on slower bikes. Yeah, but we know that Suzuki, apart from its kind of qualified pace, we know it's got the race pace. We've seen it. We we know it. It has it there, and it's not changed much from last year. So no, it's not like it's a completely it, different bike. It, so I, I don't, I'm struggling. I think it was just really it was a massive off day, and the cost because Rins keeps throwing it down the road every every um, every race. It, it's not doing Suzuki any favors, but I think me. I don't know. I don't know if the the team boss leaving's having any effect. Maybe I'm not sure. I but, mean. Don't get me wrong, Davide Brivio is a massive, massive piece of the puzzle that's been taken out. But that's, it's one of them that you, you, I, I can't imagine that on a Sunday afternoon at a debrief that Rins is turning around and saying, you know, well, if we had a team manager, you know, putting things in place a bit better, then mm. I wouldn't be throwing it down road every week. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. I mean? it's, it... it's like... I don't know. It, it's it's more frustration than anything. Like mm. if you're a Suzuki fan, and I'm a big fan of Suzuki. I think it's such a well-run factory for the size that it is. It's the smallest one out of all of the Japanese, and you know, fighting against factories like Honda, Yamaha, massive factories mm. to come up against. Like you, you kind of like that underdog side of them. Yeah, exactly. And they've always oh. been a team that everyone's cheered on for being the underdog. And I have a yeah. Suzuki motorbike, so I, I guess I'm a bit inclined. To, to support in Suzuki, but yeah, it, it's just not going their way. And I, I'd like to say that's obviously Rins. I think that's it for Rins. I think his championship yeah. challenge is well and truly over. Yeah. Mia, I'm think me me is on the brink. I'd say he's teetering. Um, unless he starts. Like, in, go on. Sorry. I was just saying, unless he has a good run of form, which he potentially mm-hmm. he could do, but. I think the difference in what I feel like with Mir and Rins is that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be massively surprised if I saw Mir come back, at, let's say Mugello, and get on the podium. I wouldn't be like, oh my God, I wouldn't have expected that. I'd have been like, mm. you know, that's that's Mir at, like, not his best, but it's Mir. If I see yeah. Rins on yeah. the podium, I'm like, yeah, but can he do it every week? Mm. Whereas that's I feel true. like Mir, even though he's not doing it every week, I think if he's got the right set up underneath him he can Rins could mm. have the right set up but not bring it home exactly. you know what I mean yeah um, a lot of people have been alluding to it being like Rins trying to show that he's the better man in Suzuki trying to reclaim that number one spot now that Mir's you know mm. won the title with them everyone's everyone's alluding it to, to being that but either way he's been in his number one spot at Suzuki and he's been in his title chance so exactly you know, whatever um, it is that he's fighting for, he's not winning it. Yeah, it's uh, troubling times at Suzuki, troubling times. Um, another team that really will be wanting to forget this that, that race was um, Aprilia. I mean, Savadori, what he pulled out of the bag in qualifying was quite special, actually, considering he's, he's been on the hot seat, so to speak, making it out of Q1. Um, he did so well there. Actually, I'm. I was so happy for him that he managed it. But I, was there ending trouble? Did they both suffer the same fate? The two Aprilias? Um Yes, Aspargo did because I know we went over. Um, he was coming down the back straight, and then it just completely cut out. I it think was I saw him the same place, actually. Yeah, 
but because with Savadori, yeah. like that. I mean, just on that, like just to reiterate what you just said, like getting in Q two. That's. I mean, anyone if anyone's got proof that you put a bet on that that was that that was going to happen, then mm. I owe you a pint. That if you <laughs> thought that Savadori was going to be in Q two, then fair enough. Because I think yeah. I said jokingly. And I was going to tweet it as well, that jokingly I said after Hareth, I was like, oh, well, we jinx everything, so I'm going to say that Aprilia do really well or something like jokingly mm. being like, you know, it's Aprilia, they'll not, you know. And then I saw Salvadori going to Q2 and I was like... Oh, it's happening. No. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was a poor week for Aprilia and Suzuki. Very poor week. It was. I mean, Salvadori, I don't know where that's come from. I mean... Maybe, maybe internally, obviously, whispers and rumours about um, Dovi. I think, is he doing another test at some point, possibly? Um, maybe there start to be rumblings of he could be on course to take Savadori's place. And maybe Savadori's thinking, right, I need, to, I need to really put in some, you know, some, well, not effort, but I need to show what maybe I can... Maybe the uh, backside. Yeah, what I can do here. Because I wouldn't say his fate is sealed, so to speak, but... Especially if Dovi shows more interest, it, it probably most likely is. I think they're very well. I don't think I know they're very cutthroat. Yeah, a prettier anyway. So I think Salvador has got to do wonders in order for him mm. to keep that seat. If exactly, if Dovi, you know, what if Dovi turns around and says, "Okay, I'll go with Aprilia. Let's negotiate." I don't think Aprilia will do anything in trying to hold on. They're not going to be like. You know, weighing it, oh, like, Savadori, Dovi, like, I think they'll, you know, I think they'll just move him aside. Yeah, they will. Oh, go. Sure. I, unless he, the only, re, the only way I think they wouldn't is if Savadori pulled out, like, you know, two or three wins or podium finishes on the bounce. Maybe they might think, oh, hang on a minute, we might have some here, but obviously that's very, very likely. More chance of Rins finishing a race at the moment than that yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know one thing we've not mentioned is Mar- Marquez. Oh uh, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna move on to him. Wow. Um that was like that was a race of two halves for Mark. We yeah. kind of saw on the old Mark, but then we immediately kind of flipped the coin and we saw kind of like the current Mark. Um A little bit Mark. like the old old Mark. Yeah, actually. Like, yeah. The, like the twenty fifteen kind of mark that was just like throw it at the fence, throw it at yeah, the Yeah, like, fence. I'm not bothered about anything. I'm just going to try and everything, you know, the win is the most important thing, you know, over yeah. my health. <laughs> Which, I mean, we know it's not that in a, in, you know, reality, but mm. it's, um, it, with those conditions, it's it's a split second wrong and you're off. But, oh. like, with Mark, it was just like, I don't know, it was one of them that you thought, wow, like, he, he actually looks a bit like yeah. himself, and then you were like, What's happened? Do you know because what I mean? He, he went in on the went to change the bikes. Him and was it him and Quattrara came in roughly the same time. Yeah, but he obviously came out in front because Quattrara yeah, got yeah. the wrong garage. Um, and he was out in front, and that was it. He was just he was in like a he was kind of running his own race. And I was thinking genuinely, if the conditions stay the same, we could see a Marquez win here. Um, and then. Of course, next thing you know, he's down, and it was just that he just touched the curb, didn't he? Just ever so yeah. slightly hit the curb, and that was it. It was gone. Ah, oh, I was so a good few, for him. Yeah, a few people did that though. I think. Yeah. Zarco did it. I don't know if it's qualifying or the race. I think it was 
qualify. Mm. Rossi did it in qualifying. Yeah. I know that. Um, but just that slight touch on the curb, it's not so much. It's like when he gets on the curb, they obviously have to like completely ease off. But it's the mm. the, the contact again on the on the tarmac because of the jump. The bike then just regains traction and it almost just you know flicks you straight off. So mm. it's it's lethal. Because um, them curbs, yeah. when the wet, it's, it's like ice for them bikes. Yeah, yeah, it um, literally is. And but... obviously further down, and, and you could see from that point he was trying to push one, wasn't he? Yeah. I think his bike was slightly damaged. He'd lost one of his front winglets. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that made a whole lot of difference. Uh, I think he was just trying to push it, and that was that. But that's going to be a, a meme from now on. I'm using that as a gif. Just you know when he got up and just started walking straight away. Yeah. Like he just had enough. He was yeah. done. Um but he did look quite distraught back in the back in the paddock. He looked he looked more angry and peeved off than he did yeah. like disappointed. It was more just anger. Yeah. Um but I'd say it, it's a, a weekend of opposites because Alex Marquez wow. has finished a race. I know. I I I'm I'm nominating him as my rider of the day. Um, I don't know if he's going to be, but at the moment he's in contention simply for finishing a race. Yeah, I mean, all, all jokes aside, sixth place is a pretty yeah. good result anyway for well, Alex yeah. Marquez. But just, I mean, he, he's done nothing but throw it down the road, let's be honest. like In terms mm. of results-wise, he's he has thrown it down the road. I think, you can tell me if I'm wrong, every race up until... Um, I'm just going to try and... Actually... No, he finished Portimao, didn't he? He finished just behind Mark. Yes, yes. He finished Portimao know. in eighth and then obviously finished sixth in front. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's good to see that he's starting to get some form in a way. Eighth and sixth, quite good results, really, when you think about it. Um, yeah. He just needs to not be throwing it down the road as much as he does anyway. But sixth and seventh, really, for LCR, that's, that's a decent result. Yeah, I mean, finishing was... in front of Paul, that's... Because is is would you say France is a is a Honda track, really? Oh, really? Um, and in the wet, adding to that, I don't know if that just improved increased the chances or increased how good the bike was on the track. I'm not sure, but to get yeah for LCR to get a sixth and seventh, that is a really good show. Well, I think we could. I don't. I don't think we'll do it, but I think we we could even do a whole episode on just Honda at the minute in general because yeah, we might so have to... Much to digest with that. Um, yeah, with maybe Mark and with everyone else's feeling on the bike and where Honda have gone and you know, there, there's so much you could talk about. Yeah, probably in the summer break, we yeah. might do a Honda specific episode and a a Yamaha one and so on and so forth because there's a yeah. what, we've got like a four week break in the summer. Yeah, I think um, so that'd be worth discussing, but. Yeah, good result for uh, a good result for the LCR team, definitely. Yeah, moving up, uh, we have uh, we're not going to do like you know last to first kind of thing. We're just talking about results in general. But mm. uh, Petrucci fifth. Now yeah, that's well, a result. That's my rider of the day. Yeah, Petrucci. I mean, we knew he was capable of it. He won last year in the wet. Um, it, yeah, it kind of annoyed me though. People said this on Twitter. They were like, "Well, everyone, you know, we we expect." It's like. Well, I expect Alex Rins to finish a race, but he doesn't. Like, yeah, it's one thing expecting I, it, it and doing it. The, fifth place for that for a, for a Tech Three yeah. KTM. The reason I'm impressed is probably it's a, the Tech Three KTM, which, like you said, is has been. Uh, we've not seen it anywhere. I mean, it, it 
and it stands out. It's a bike that you know when you see it, you know what it is, and you never see it. <laughs> I mean, um, tell me if I'm wrong, and I'm this is completely off of like top of my head, but I believe that that is the best KTM result this year. I think it is because I think um, Binder got fifth or was he did he get sixth in Qatar two, the whole Mir and Miller he, incident. He got fifth. Actually, Binder got fifth in Portugal. Oh, did he? Which we've totally like overlooked. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, still joint best result for a yeah. KTM Tech. Th- Tech Three has been a mile Tech three off this as well. year. They have been a mile off this year. Yeah, which kind of does link me into Lacona got. Yeah, nine. I was thinking that as well. And you should have seen him when he crossed when he crossed the finish line. How how happy he was. How happy the team was. Because was it he beat? Who did he beat to the line? Who finished tenth? Vinales. Yeah, but I mean. Just for Laquona's sake, that is an amazing result for her. I, yeah. I, I was, you know, I, I think he has had a lot of unsolicited stick, mm. Laquona, because he's the in bike, the hot the bike's seat. Not, yeah, bike has been great anyway. So, because the, the back forms, you've got somebody who's, a, I would say Petrucci's a, a veteran now. He's been in the class for a fairly long time. You know, he's, I mean, let me think about this. He's, he's probably been in the class now eight years at mm. least. Um, yeah, he's new to a KTM, but Lacona's still a very young guy, getting used to GP anyway. As you can see, when the bike is in conditions it, it likes, it can be competitive. And yep. let's just see, Lacona finished 40 seconds off. So he finished 20 seconds behind Petrucci, yep. but in the grand scheme of things, ninth in yep. front of Vinales, Rossi, Marini, Binder, Bastianini, you know, Morbidelli. The, there's some big names, like yeah, and he's he's pulled it out of the bag again. A rider on the hot seat who probably knows his whispers and murmurings of of him Definitely. being replaced has has pulled the result out of of nowhere seemingly. Yeah, so that's that'll have done him a world of good confidence wise. Um, the team might have, you know, a bit of faith might have been restored in the team. Um, he finished above Vinales. He finished above Rossi. Um, I'll add that obviously that was Rossi's best second and best finish this season in eleventh. Um, so yeah, he's done. He's done well with that ninth place, definitely. Yeah, and then moving into well, we got Bagnaia in fourth, and we have two Frenchmen on the podium with Quattararo and Zarco, and they are obviously mm. taking the win. But me. No Yamaha bias in there. I, I did not think quite. I didn't think any Yamaha would be. As soon as I saw it go wet, I thought it would just be Ducati, Ducati, Ducati. Like no question. I didn't. I didn't even mm. think Quattaro would get close to a podium. So I think that's a pretty good result. I mean, Quattaro never looks happy in anything other than first, and yeah. he was ecstatic when he went over in P3 because he knows for them conditions that's. As we were saying just before we started recording, that Yamaha is either a full dry or a full wet. Mixed, it's not really the bike to be on. So mm. P3, I think, is a great result for, for Fabio and for his yeah. title. Exactly. He's, uh, he's in the lead now by how many points is it? Um, I think it's only a couple. Yeah, it is. It's only a couple of points. Um, let but me again, just double check. They're, they're the um, kind of point... results. Yeah. But... Again, it's it's like this rinse thing that we keep mentioning that 
if you want to win titles, you've got to just bring it home sometimes. Mm. And, you know, we've seen it with Mark before, like before, tw- I mean, 2019, it was either first, second or a couple of DNFs, which is just, I mean, that's just completely unheard of from most people mm. anyway. But I, I think back to like championships like 2017 against Dovi, 2018 when he had like Jorge, when he started getting a bit, you know, to grips with the Ducati and Dovi as well. Mark would finish like P5, P4 sometimes, and you'd think, oh, I don't know if that's that's not great really, but grand scheme of things, he's not throwing it down the road. Yeah, it's all, it's all that he needed. Yeah. Yeah, looking so, back. You know, for me, if Fabio can keep up the form that he's on, and I think, to be honest with you, I think it's going to be hard to get in between a Ducati and a Yamaha at Mugello, but that flowing like circuit that Mugello is, I think Quattararo will take to it like a duck to water. Yeah. I really do. Um on that on the um the issue we had where we got a long lap penalty, that was uncalled for in my opinion. I don't think he deserved it. Yeah, fair enough he he pulled into the wrong bit, but he got on the right bike and, and also that cost him time. You know, that he he yeah. punished himself because he lost a good two would you say two or three seconds? Maybe more. Well, I mean, yes, difference between leaping off one bike to another than leaping off one, veering round another bike to run yeah. to your other bike across the garage. Like, um, so to... I, I just think it's another one of those penalties that's like, what are you penalising them for? Like, yeah, I, I, I heard somebody say something. I think it might have been Gavin Emmett saying it's to do with safety, but no one was hurt. No exactly. one was put in danger. And... The only person that was put in danger was was Fabio, really. If yeah. He, you know, having to run to his bike there was no one else that was mm. put in danger of that um, and he didn't if, he didn't gain an advantage no not like, like if anyone was right behind him i'd be like you know what yeah because he's penalized yeah. you know his thing at his team but yeah he hasn't and i mean i'm not putting it all on him but in my opinion since freddie spence has been putting the the whole stewards thing there, there's some real nitpicky mm. incidents that just seems to it's making a scene out of nothing it, it, it I, seems I'm to not, flip a coin on a lot yeah, of issues yeah and i'm not trying to hate on f1 because you know I, i've if anything i've started taking to f1 but it's like when you see certain incidents in f1 where you think is there any point in that yeah. being a penalty like really mm. yeah. um it, it was it frustrating pointless to me it's like we've got a long lap penalty so let's use it like yeah I mean, because on the flip side, you had Bagnaia and Miller obviously got two two long lap penalties each for speeding in the pit lane. But that's, um, yeah, that's breaking an actual. You know, you should. Yeah, they're they're gaining an advantage by going pit lane, and by exactly. lot they they were about ten kilometers per hour over it, weren't they? Yeah, there was um, a picture that surfaced, and I can't remember if it was Quartararo and Marquez, but they seemed to to kind of cut the the line going into the pit. I don't know if you, you saw yeah, it. I think I think you mean when they were coming into the pits and quite, and mm. Marquez like cut straight across, but like yeah. right up against Fabio. Mm. And I nothing. I don't think it even got reviewed. But surely, if you're crossing a white line or cutting that corner, it 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 could be flagged as something on safety grounds or something like that. I'm not sure. But I mean, I don't want to point any fingers, but if there's been any manufacturer to get away with anything in the sport, it's it <laughs> has been Honda. Like, let's oh, that's true. Yeah, let's call a spade a spade. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but yeah, um, I did. Yeah, I did see that, and I, I remember seeing it at the time, thinking, I don't know if that comes under it, but why has it not been reviewed or at least addressed that that yeah. 
that's allowed or that's not allowed. But because um, mm. he ended yeah. up coming side by side with Quartararo, yeah. and there could have easily been a little collision or anything yeah. at that point. And he did um, use the part what you were saying, like the outside the white, like he used the the outside to catch up to Fabio. It's yeah. not like he went around to catch up normally. Like he used that part of the uh, mm. the pit lane. But again, I don't I don't get why that didn't get reviewed. But yeah, the um, the race as a whole was just amazing in general. It I think was as a roundup, as a you know, just a general review that the race was amazing. I was yeah. I was very happy with how the race turned out. Definitely. Um again Zarko and and Miller both kind of were in the kind of in their own race at the end of it. What was Zarko finished what was it he finished three point in... nine seconds away from him. But I do think it was one of them like the last two laps he was like, okay, I'll accept second here i think if you'd have had another five laps on that or like you know if the rain would have mm. come five laps earlier whatever zarko just looked quicker and quicker didn't yeah he? Like, as he would have he would have caught him but he, um, but they both pulled away from quarter yeah. hour but i think that just that 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 spoke about how good the ducati was if anything yeah um yeah it was it was a strong race miller though jack miller um Oh, one thing we haven't mentioned, which I've just been reminded of, is the Morbidelli kind of... Um, who else was involved again? Oh, Espargo. So I didn't know if you meant the whole knee incident with him twisting his knee on the bike. And... Oh, yeah, that as well. But the preceding that, the Paul, Paul Espargo and Morbidelli incident, because Paul had a little bit of a wobble, didn't he? Um, uh, which then bunched him up with, was it Rossi and Morbidelli? Yeah. Um and and then it looked on from Morbidelli's camera is Morbidelli ended up having to kind of go on the inside, take the inside line and kind of had to sacrifice himself not to hit into Paul and Rossi maybe. Yeah. Um which is a shame because of course Morbidelli he does not need anything. He didn't he did not need that because his season is not going as as planned. Yeah, I think um I think Morbidelli's really being rubbed up the wrong way because he's not happy with Yamaha. No, nope. he's not happy with anybody that's been and like, like say with like Paul and whatnot and these kind of incidents that have been mm. kicked off and nothing's being done by them. Yep, he's not very happy in general with not being given the tools that he deserves. And you know what? I've said it before. I under, I completely understand his argument. You know, last year won three races and kind of just been like okay well carry on you know he's not he's not really been given anything so yeah it's um, i think yamaha because of how bad the chassis was last year um and because i think morbidelli was on the 2019 chassis last year i don't know if they just risked it and thought right we'll keep morbidelli on a chassis or like a hybrid 19 chassis just in case this chassis we've made for 2021 is complete garbage. Um, the only for me, I think, and I, I could be reading into this a bit too much, but there's been talk that the 2021 like bike design that they've been able to change from the 2020 because the 2020 bike was so bad. Mm. I, I say so bad; it won races, but we know what I mean. Mm. Um, I can only see them keeping Morbidelli on the 2019 bike in that there's been a lot of talk that they're trying to go back more to a 2019 bike than a, than like the 2020. Yeah. 
so that they can kind of compare the two and be like, well, if we make the 2021 or 2022 bike more towards the 2019 bike, as opposed to the 2020 shape, then is it going to, you know, benefit this rider or this track or what? That's the only thing I can imagine why. Because, you know, I I think Morbidelli more than deserves a 2020 bike. Uh, That's what he wants. I think he more than deserves it. I think the issue was... I think they were always going to keep someone on that bike as like a benchmark to compare it. And I don't think it was ever going to be Rossi just because of his influence. And I don't think Rossi wanted to be on that bike. So unfortunately for Morbidelli, even though he doesn't deserve to be on that bike, he was the only one who could be on that bike. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, as, as good as Morbidelli was last year and how bad Rossi was last year, if you like, the bargaining bargaining chips that Rossi has compared to Morbidelli, yeah. you know, I I think that I don't need to really say much else. Um, but mm. Morbidelli, I think we have people back to be able to be honest. Um, yeah, definitely. Been a poor um, year for him so far, but yeah, matter of the day. Matter of the day for me, it's got to be Banyaya. I'm gonna. You know, oh, you're not going for Marquez uh, then, you're going for Magnus. No, um, he was honorable mention, Marquez, for finishing the race and Nakagami as well. I'd say, and Pachucci, they're like my honorable mentions, but no, you, I think so Banya. He's picking four, he's picking four. Yeah, I, I, I mean, God, I could have so many honorable mentions, but yeah, it's got to be Banya. I think he's kind of, kind of, I'm a bit of a fanboy of him, I guess. I kind of, I just, I've always thought, you know, from last season, I thought he's got potential, and I think in the, in the uh, podcast where we talked about, you know, the the preview of the upcoming season, I think I've mentioned he he could be a dark horse or he could be one to watch. But I think what did he? He came sixteenth in qualifying, so he started sixteenth on the grid. Yeah, it was way down. Yeah, it was yeah way down, and it was a poor performance. Let's you know, let's face it, it it's not where he should be qualifying, especially someone of his talent on that bike should not be qualifying there. But to finish fourth. From 16th with two long lap penalties as well. Um, yeah, I think you know, consistency as well. He's, he's looking at you know, looking at what where he's in the standings, whereabouts is he at the moment? Um, I think he'd be right behind Quattararo. Yeah, he's, he's one point and he hasn't won a race yet, but he's had a few seconds. Um, I'll tell you what, and I, I know we said before, and not to be well, not not to, but we were going to. Basically, this weekend we're going to get a Mello preview kind of episode done. Um, mm. And I don't want to speak too much on that, but I will put it out here right now. If there's one race I would put Bagnaia down to win, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins at Mugello. Yeah, definitely. That would, imagine the scenes that would be if the crowd oh, was there as well. He, he's, he's due a win. He seriously definitely. is. Uh, same with Zarko. Zarko's due a win. And one of those two, I think will win Mugello um, next week. I'm scared for the other riders when yeah. Bagnaia <laughs> does win because, he, for me, is one of them in Moto2, it happened where the second he won, he couldn't stop winning. Mm. And Bagnaia is such a, such a, like, you, you, you know when you're watching him, he's one of those riders where you're comfortable watching him. You don't feel like it's all going to go to pot or he's going to do something stupid. He's calculated... But he's he's you know mm. he's a different guy under the helmet kind of rider. 
he's just yeah. one of them that when he gets that win, the the chains will be off, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? He'll just shoulders yeah. will drop and it'll just come to him naturally. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing with Jack Miller at the minute. Yeah. He's had one he's had his he's had his proper like first race uh, dry win, sorry. And I don't know if you'd have seen the same Jack Miller this weekend if he'd have not won last weekend. Definitely, yeah. There was a lot, of, a lot, a lot to do with his race win. I think was his confidence. Yeah, you know, coming because off a win. Yeah, especially before Hareth, you know, crashing here, getting in incidents with Mir at Qatar, and it was like, what's happened to Jack Miller? Wins one race, comes to Le Mans, and yeah, the conditions are more Jack Miller esque, but. Again, you still have to go out there and do it, and the conf- he looked confident the whole way through it. Mm. So, um, yeah, Bagnaia for me, definitely one to look out for at, at Mugello. Yeah, my rider, your rider okay. yeah. I'm going to go with Drucci. Um, yep, just makes just sense. Say, I thought yeah, he might have done. He's um, he deserves something this year at least. He's, I think KTM a fair amount of stick, and you know they've had yeah. a resort them on. Can't take that away from him, so I'll go with Trucci on that. Um, do you want to quickly top it off with fantasy? Have we got time? Or... Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah spend a, a quick few minutes on fantasy because I too because my gold riders were Miller and Bangaya. So, <laughs> so you definitely got time to uh, talk yeah. about fantasy. I've got. I time. mean, if memory memory serves me right, I think I have all of the top four riders in. Oh really? I could see, be wrong. Just looking at the league now. Um, oh, no, I don't. I'm in second uh, with 506 points. And who's in third? Rins Tintin, which is Matt, I believe. I don't have all four. I have. I thought oh, I had Bagnaya, yeah. but I, I have Mir instead, which obviously... Oh, God. Points. You're but in sixth. I'm in sixth. Wow. Yeah, you're in sixth. Oh, On 433 points. Um, and it's just... I love saying that this this team name um, above you on the four hundred forty four points is Takanaka Wakagami. So yes. <laughs> whoever that is. Okay. Well, I can confirm. I've just made a trade. Um, Yoan, as much as I think he'll have a better year than or better, you know, race or races in the future than what he's had. Um, I am going to put Bagnaya in for Mia. So I I now have a team of. The top four of Le Mans, basically. I got the I got three of them right. I got if, if, if I got the podium. I got Quattararo, Miller, and Zarco, and I had Mia. So I don't know how I'm down in sixth, to be honest with you. Really, yeah. But... Um, yeah, looking at that last France, I had my silver riders were Espargaro, who obviously Alex, who who DNF'd, and Morbidelli. So it was literally my gold gold riders carrying. Carrying that um my team at that point, but for for Michello, I do have Zarco and Aspargaro as my silvers, so I'm expecting big a big points haul at Mugello. Kind of part of me wants to put double points on Bagnaya for Mugello. Yeah, but part of me thinks that it could be any Ducati ride. Mugello is not one of them where you can just sit and go, it'll be him or him. For mm. me, I don't think it's one of them. I know you said earlier Bagnar or Zarco, but that doesn't. You're not saying it will be either them. They're just two picks you you know will be up there, but it could yeah. be, you know, a, a big bunch of people that could win. Imagine um, the scenes if Aspargaro wins. If what? If Alicia Aspargaro wins? Yeah. If I'll that really just comes to life, I'll make you 
a promise now that if Alicia Spargo win wins in Mugello, I will personally drive you to Mugello the next time they race there, and I, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you around the track. <laughs> if that oh if, if that manages if that ends up happening, yeah, I will forever be in debt to you. Well, my I'm back in, will. If I'm, I'm envisioning. I can just I can just see it now. I can see Spargo crossing the finish line. First place. I'll have a dory. I've got to then drive up like halfway across Europe yeah. just to uh, carry you around Magellan. I, I mean, it's a fair bet if if Alicia Spargo wins. I mean, that's not me taking the absolute Michael out of Alicia Spargo in a way, but yeah, it, it it's basically a running joke that we jinx everything. So yeah, um, I, I I just I just feel like if he's gonna win a race this season. It might as well be poetic, and he wins at Mugello. So, I mean, to be honest you know. with you, a podium wouldn't—I say a podium wouldn't be unrealistic. It's unrealistic for Aprilia to be on the podium. Let's let's you know, let's be straight. But if there are, if they're going to be on the podium anywhere, then you would say Mugello could be a good chance. Mm. Um, because that bike—I would say that bike's Ducati inspired. Would you say? Kind of, yeah, yeah. So it. You know that it's it's going to do better at Ducati tracks than it would say Yamaha track and whatnot. So I'd say yeah, the chance unless you have another engine ball, I think there's a high likelihood we're going to see a pillar in the in the points if we're being serious. Um, maybe an outside chance of a podium, but yeah, it just it just will be incredible to see him to see him win that race. But I feel like you'd have to have a few DNFs at the front for that to happen, which is possible. Yeah, you- you, you, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what might actually happen as well. Just to quickly mention before we um, finish off, Pramac usually do a stunning livery the last few years for Magellan. Mm. And no, I, I've only just realized I've not seen anyone mention that. So that's my call that if they do, you heard it here first that the Pramac are going to have, because they usually do like the Lamborghini thing, don't they, the last few yeah. years? And it always goes to pop for them. The last yeah, it years, seems always had. It's, it's like a yeah, curse. It is. If you look at Mercedes when they did that special livery at yeah. uh, Germany a couple of years back, and it all went to pot. Yeah, and McLaren did, got yeah. that one for Monaco this weekend. And I have Which... a feeling their race will go to pot because <laughs> it's a special mm-hmm. livery. So, but I mean, I know this is bike podcast, but can we just appreciate that Gulf livery of the McLaren? Oh yeah, I love it. I wouldn't say I was expecting more. The whole build-up, I was thinking, oh, God, they're going to announce them at pretty major this on Sunday. And when it was that short clip and it was just a livery, I was like, I like it, but is there anything else? Like, is there something else? Is this like just a tea, like a kind of a setup? And it was, and then it ended, but it is a beautiful livery. They could run that all year and I, I'd be pretty happy to yeah, see I don't it. think anyone would complain, no. Yeah. No, they wouldn't. It's a, it's a stunning bike. Uh, bike? Stunning livery, not yes. stunning bike. We're not talking well, uh, 06 Yamahas here. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave that on for Matt. I feel like he's going to join any second now we've said that. Yeah, but... he's probably going to just crash into this call and just be like, <laughs> no! <laughs> I heard you. Um, but yeah, I think that's it from us for this podcast. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty much everything. If anybody wants to suggest anything for the Magello preview, feel free to at us on Twitter or messages or anything like that. We tend not to bite but you know matt can sometimes bite if you mention anything to do with joe roberts or cameron bobier so maybe you know maybe just leave that one out but other than that um yeah 
that's that's it for today. So we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. <laughs>